Welcome to Learn Medical Spanish. Today I'm going to go over two different cultural topics, so things that some of your Spanish-speaking patients might believe or think about that might influence how they look at their illness. So it's helpful to know about these so you can kind of relate to them better. And the two I'm covering today are mal de ojo, also known as evil eye, and empacho. So both of these also exist as a video version. If you'd rather watch that, I'll put links below. And each of them also has a blog post. I have a blog post about each one on my website as well, in case you want to check that out. Otherwise, let's go ahead and get into it. Today I'm going to talk about one of the medical Spanish cultural topics, which is evil eye. Or in Spanish it could be mal de ojo or ojo malo. In the English version, usually it's evil eye, but it could also be translated as um, sickness from the eye or bad eye, potentially. And basically, it refers to the supernatural belief that a jealous or envious glance can cause some problems, especially to children, can, can be harmful, like kind of imparting like a negative energy or a harmful energy. So this uh, belief overall in general seems to exist in various parts of the world, including Europe, the Middle East, and Latin America. So we hear about it more as it relates to Latin America, probably um, here in the United States. Um, and today I'm going to focus more on Mexico, since that's probably the most relevant to medical Spanish here in the United States, since the majority of our uh, Spanish-speaking patients are from Mexico. So in the rest of this video, I'll cover the history of evil eye, um, what the potential like symptoms and treatment are, and kind of what it specifically means in Mexico. So historically, uh, the evil eye belief dates at least back to ancient Greece. So it goes way back. They found some drawings and carvings and things that are related to that. And then the prophet Muhammad was quoted in some writing that I looked up as saying, the influence of the evil eye is a fact. <laughs> so anyway, it goes back um, to some pretty ancient times. Um, and then since then, it's been in those areas that I mentioned, including um, parts of Europe, Latin America, and then like Western Asia so as I mentioned earlier, uh, I was going to talk about the Mexican kind of belief related to this. Um, so basically, it's like I was saying, a jealous or envious glance could impart a negative or harmful energy, especially to a child. And there's a wide range of possible symptoms that could be attributed to that. So basically anything negative or harmful or whatever, any symptoms that arise could be attributed to that jealous or envious glance and the um, associated negative energy. And then um, some people in Mexico would tell you that then having the person who gave the evil eye to the child who looked at them jealously or whatever, having that person touch the child or touch, uh, have some kind of physical contact could kind of release the energy. So that's one way that it could be kind of, um, you know, eliminated or improved or whatever. And then that's true whether it was an intentional glance or not. So either way, it, you know, a person could give the child the evil eye and might want to have them touch the child or, or whatever. Um, and uh, another way they kind of look at it is there's kind of a hot-cold balance and the, and the evil eye or the evil glance could be looked at as like a hot influence, maybe making the child too hot, but more probably in a, uh, uh, not in a, like a physically hot way necessarily, um, but I'm not sure. <laughs> So what about treating or preventing evil eye? So other than touching, you know, having a physical contact from the person that gave the evil eye to the person that received it. Um, otherwise, there's, uh, it seems like there are various rituals, and maybe the most common one in the Mexican belief would be passing a raw egg over the child to help absorb the negative energy. That's the one that I've kind of found the most when I was researching. Um, and then there are various potential protective devices. Um, so that could be a mal de ojo bracelet or amulet or other jewelry and things like that to help ward off the negative energy. So that kind of wraps up the mal de ojo topic. Welcome to Learn Medical Spanish. So today I'm going to talk about 
El Empacho. What is El Empacho? Well, this is a medical Spanish cultural topic, meaning kind of like traditional beliefs about certain things um, that some of your patients might have. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what it is, what are some of the symptoms, what are some of the traditional treatments and other possible treatments, and then kind of tie it all together to kind of help give you a little better understanding of uh, maybe what your patients might think about this. So first, what is empacho? What is el empacho? <laughs> so basically, it means an intestinal obstruction. Um, anything causing an intestinal obstruction, like food, a certain type of food or too much food or the wrong type of food, or maybe something else besides food in some instances. So obviously, or as you can probably gather, um, there are real intestinal obstructions, and then there may be some situations where there's more of kind of just a traditional belief, like, oh, maybe this is el empacho, maybe there's a blockage, when maybe the symptoms could be from something else, right? So it kind of overlap. there's an overlap between kind of the real, what we know scientifically about the medical situation, and kind of the traditional beliefs, they overlap, so sometimes it's kind of legitimate, um, and then other times it might be a little out there, right? So next, what causes el empacho. What causes it specifically? So eating certain foods. Um, so that could be things that are high in fiber because then your body has to work harder to digest it or whatnot. Um, there's, I found a list of foods here. Some examples include beans, broccoli, cabbage, corn, lentils, asparagus, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower. So like things with a lot of fiber, I guess. Um, eating too much food, overeating all too much all at once um, is one thing that's believed to cause this in some instances. Um, eating food that's not adequately cooked. So something that's undercooked. Um, and then and then getting into kind of the real medical field or whatever, there's also um, an association with think, the actual GI problems like Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome, and things like that that could also cause el empacho, cause empacho. So what are the symptoms of el empacho? Well, basically everything you'd expect if there's either a real or kind of imagined obstruction in the abdomen, uh, in the GI tract. And so that could be things like pain, bloating, nausea, vomiting, um, constipation maybe, you know, if you're not having bowel movements or not passing gas or something, cramping, indigestion, all those types of fun things, all those fun things. So the interesting thing about El Empacho is, like I said, it's kind of, on the one hand, it does fit in with our actual medical understanding of things. And on the other hand, it maybe goes beyond that at times. So the treatment also um, is both real and maybe sometimes not as legitimate, right? So some of the traditional treatments include things like drinking herbal teas, um, rolling an egg on the stomach. That's interesting because I mentioned an egg as a potential treatment for evil eye in another video. Um, doing a rough massage of the abdomen, so kind of working it all out, right? <laughs> Getting that obstruction out of there. And then there's a traditional treatment that's dangerous, and that is there's a couple of lead containing chemicals um, that uh, I guess traditionally were used to treat El Empacho, and they are Azarcone and Greta. I don't know if I'm pronouncing those right because I don't know that much about them, but they're lead, different lead compounds or whatnot, that chemicals with lead that have been used to treat El Empacho. Um, so I found a video online, I thought it was kind of interesting, where this lady is talking in Spanish about El Empacho, and she kind of mixes up, makes up this uh, recipe for like a treatment for El Empacho, and ultimately it's basically olive oil and garlic. Um, but one of the interesting things she said during the video as she was explaining this in Spanish, and I think she is Mexican, uh, she advises not to go to the doctor because she says doctors don't believe el empacho is an actual illness. And I would say that's half true, right? Because like I said, you know, there are obstructions and other related things, but there's also just random GI symptoms that may not be caused by an obstruction, right? So that's where it's kind of uh, um, you get the overlap on your Venn diagram or whatever. So what are some potentially more modern 
uh, treatment ideas as opposed to just the traditional ideas? Well, there's a maybe following the low fiber diet, um, depending on what kind of symptoms you're having and so forth. Because of course, some people get like bloating with certain fibrous foods and whatnot. Um, burping or lying on your side, if it's like a gas pressure, over the counter medications, antibiotics, if it's like a food poisoning thing. And then if you had an actual obstruction, right, you'd probably want to do some imaging, maybe an endoscopy of some sort, maybe a nasogastric tube, uh, maybe getting a surgeon involved, you know, so there's a bunch of <laughs> things that go into that, right? Um, yeah. So in summary, el empacho basically just means a belief that there's some kind of a, um, obstruction in the GI tract, and it could be legitimate or not. But um, I actually remember having an experience with this when I was in the ER, and some some patient had, you know, like stomach symptoms or whatever, and a family member said something about el empacho. So like, okay, they were kind of attributing it to that. So that's kind of an interesting little connection. So I didn't know too much about it at the time, I don't think, but just kind of thinking back, I could have maybe had a little bit better understanding of what their perspective on it was, you know, knowing what I know now. Okay, guys, so those were a couple useful cultural topics to know about. And as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, there's a video version of each one. I'll put a link to that below. And there's a blog version about each one on my website. So I'll put links to those as well. And by the way, over on my YouTube channel, I do publish some things that don't make it onto the podcast over here. For example, I have a bunch of anatomy videos, and some of those aren't on the podcast yet or may not ever make it onto the podcast for one reason or another. So if you want to check that out, you can go to my YouTube channel and look at the playlists. There's an anatomy playlist, or just look at the recent videos, uh, and you can find some of that stuff either way. Quick reminder, I mentioned during some of my earlier podcasts that I have five very high-yield medical Spanish beginner lessons for providers, and I'll email those to you if you go and uh, sign up on my website. So I'll put a link to that in case you're interested as well. And that's it for today. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Learn Medical Spanish. The Learn Medical Spanish podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the need to see your own medical providers. It also is not a substitute for using a medical interpreter when needed.